Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome back to our series on the book of Proverbs. And um, before we get started, I just want to make it clear, um, always want to make it clear, that the book of Proverbs is a very, very precious book. But it's not an end in itself. You know, uh, we've talked before about this, but it needs to be said over and over, young person, so listen to me. Um, The law of the Lord, especially the Ten Commandments, um, is beautiful. And it is a guideline for life. But the law of the Lord, its, its main purpose is to show us that God has a standard of righteousness that we have not met, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And therefore, the law actually points to us and exposes our sin, kind of like a light shining into a dirty dungeon. It exposes our sin, not just the sins we've committed, but the corruption and sinfulness of our own hearts. But the law doesn't leave us there. The law points to us and says you're guilty. The law points to us and says you're condemned. But then the law points us to the Savior. That's the purpose of the law, to point us to salvation in Jesus Christ. You see, uh, you've probably heard salvation um, is not of works. It's grace alone, and that is true. That is true, and if anyone tells you any other thing, they're preaching another gospel. But there is a way in which we can say that salvation is by works. It's just not by our works. Salvation is by the works of Christ. Uh, We disobeyed God. Christ, from the time he became incarnate, from the time he was born, until the time he went back to glory, he was perfectly obedient. He was obedient where we had been disobedient. And, And so he fulfilled all the obligations of the law. But not only that, Christ also paid the penalties that were against his people for their violation of the law. You see, Christ did it all. So our salvation is by works. Our salvation is by the works of Christ on behalf of his people. And that's why salvation for us is by grace without works, trusting in Jesus Christ. And that's the purpose of the law. But also, you know, um, sometimes people have wrongly used the law thinking that they're going to justify themselves before God by obedience to the law. And that's just not true. In the same way, um, there have been Christians down through the years who have looked around and seen the foolishness, not only that's in the world, but in the so-called church, and have really uh, taken great interest in the book of Proverbs and the wisdom of God. And, And that's a good thing. But sometimes um, there's been a tendency to place more emphasis 
on doing Proverbs than on the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is wrong. Because in the same way that the law points us to Christ, believe it or not, Proverbs points us to Christ. Um, you know, Proverbs is about wisdom, and the law is about righteousness. Well, the law shows us we're not righteous, and Proverbs shows us we're not wise. We've been fools. We have violated Proverbs in the same way that we violated the law of God. And so the Proverbs, in a way, like the law, is a magnificent uh, roadmap for life. But more importantly, Proverbs points out that we have been fools and that uh, we are condemned. But then points us to the one who is all wisdom, the one who becomes our wisdom. In the same way that Christ becomes the righteousness of the one who believes in him, he becomes the wisdom of the one who believes in him. So never forget this as you're studying the book of Proverbs with, with me, Brother Paul, that this is not about just the accumulation of wisdom. Everything that we study must be about pointing to the salvation that is in Jesus Christ. And if you're a good boy, good girl, well, that's commendable. But none of that will make you right with God. What makes you right with God is recognizing your need. You're a sinner and trusting in God's provision for you, for all sinners. That is Jesus Christ, the righteous one and the only wise one. Now, let's get to Proverbs 4 and we're in uh, verses 5 through 9. We'll be finishing up hopefully today. And um, so let's read, starting with verse 5. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forget her, and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as though we truly need him, because we do. Father, I thank you for this day, and I pray, dear God, for the young people listening, that they will know the law and see their sin and run to Christ that they will know wisdom and see their foolishness and run to Christ. And then being grounded in Christ by faith, in their trusting in Christ alone, that they would look back once again at your law, not as a means of salvation, Lord, but as a means of guidance. And Proverbs, not as a means of salvation, but a means of guidance. And, oh, God, prosper their lives with the kind of prosperity that comes from you, Lord. Oh, dear God, please. Now help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have looked at several things we should do with regard to wisdom. One is do acquire wisdom. Acquire it. Work for it. Seek it out. The next is love wisdom. And the more that you, uh, the more you seek after wisdom, the more you will love wisdom. 
The more you see the benefits of wisdom in your life, the more you will love wisdom. Also, we are to prize wisdom. We are to cherish it as the thing most valuable. Now, I skipped over something here that I want to look at before we go on and advance our study. When we talk about prizing wisdom, I want us to go just for a moment to Proverbs uh, chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, I want you to think about, uh, let's go to verse 13. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Now look at this. Her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. So we're told here in verse eight to prize wisdom. And now here in chapter three, we have this idea of what it means. You know, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Uh, sometimes I tell my children, you know, what if what if 10,000 pounds of gold or something like that was buried in the backyard in one place? But in order to find it, you had to dig up the entire backyard. What would you do? And my one son, especially Evan, he's like, I'd dig up the whole yard. No matter how long it took, I would dig up the whole yard. Well, there's something far more precious than gold waiting for us. And it's not as difficult to find. It's God's wisdom. And we should prize it. We should seek after it. So, so we're to prize wisdom. We are to embrace wisdom. We're to hold on to it and not let it go, not just because it's right, but because we've grown to love wisdom. Now, I want us to look at the do nots, and there's just a few of them in this passage, but they're very, very important. We have do not forget wisdom, do not turn away from wisdom, and do not forsake wisdom. So. All these admonitions, when we see them, and we're going to see them in verses 5 and verses 6, all these admonitions are assuming that you're studying wisdom, that you have acquired some wisdom, you've been taught wisdom, and now the admonition is not to turn away from it. Now, this is very important, especially for you parents, if you're listening. The Bible throughout Proverbs is assuming that you are going to instruct your children. Now, you should know by now the way I feel about the local church and the need to be under godly elders who are expounding the scriptures. There's no replacement for that. Homeschool's not replacement for it. Devotion with dad and devotion with mom is not a replacement for being in a biblical local church under Godly pastors, loving pastors, pastors who serve and pastors who expound and explain the word of God. There's no substitute for that. And if you want your children to truly, truly grow in the Lord or just to know the Lord, you really need to be in a biblical local church and be a part of it, be a real part of it. Now, so these texts are assuming 
that your child is going to be instructed. And God has given you the church through which to receive instruction, but God has also clearly said that parents are to participate in that instruction. So the only way a child can forsake or forget or turn away is because wisdom has been set before them. And parents, that's your responsibility. And children, listen to me. If your father or your mother is desiring to teach you the word, they may not have the gift of teaching. They may not be the most eloquent person in the world. They may not have amazing illustrations. Honor them. By honoring them, you will be honoring the word of God and you will be honoring God. Honor your parents. Sit during the devotional time and listen and ask questions and participate. And it will go well with you. Now, let's look at what we should not do. First of all, do not forget wisdom. Verse 5. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget. So see, it's not enough just to, oh, I studied that passage, or I know it now, or I'm doing it now. There's a thing of perseverance in the Christian life. It's to keep going. I can tell you there's been so many people that started the race when I started the race and they're no longer in it. Not because they went home to glory, but because they forgot. They forsook. They turned away. It says, do not forget wisdom. Now, how can we remember something? Well, have you ever memorized something? When you memorize something, for most of us, we memorize it and we get it pretty solid. We know it like the back of our hand. But if we don't continue working on that same thing over the weeks or months or sometimes days, we forget about what we memorized. We have to keep working at it. Um, there's a, a, a wonderful Bible preacher by the name of uh, David Miller, and he has preached for many, many years. And um, one day I was out at his place and I was chopping wood for him. And we were talking about scripture memory, and he's just memorized so many large portions of the Bible. And, uh, and I said, you know, Brother David, I said, you are, I think you're gifted in that area. And he's, he's a very kind man, very loving, but very straightforward. And he said, uh, no, I'm not very gifted in scripture memory. I just work at it harder than you do. And, and that's something that I want you to think about. Um, here, we're told not to forget, not to forget, not to forget. But I forget things so easily. And as I get older, I forget them frequently. The only way that I can keep it in mind is to constantly renew my mind, like Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I need to constantly renew my mind that I might know what the will of God is. And how do we do that? Through studying the scriptures, through memorizing the scriptures, through meditating the scriptures, and through applying and practicing the scriptures. So he says, first of all, do not forget wisdom. Verse 5, the idea is do not forget it. Do not leave it behind. You know, you may think that when you get older, there are things you can leave behind. Well, there may be things you can leave behind, but the word of God's not one of them. 
you never become wiser than the Word. You never reach a point where you no longer need to depend upon the Word. If you ever ha adopt that attitude, then you have forgotten the Word of God. So it says, do not forget wisdom. Verse 5, again, it's iterating. It says, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Now, we can look at this two ways to turn away. Um, if, if I share with you something out of the Bible that conforms to your desires, you're probably going to say a hearty amen. So be it. That's a good thing. I, I want to do that. But I can tell you that if you're a normal human being, even a normal Christian, there are going to be things in the Bible that at first you're not going to be in agreement with. They are going to rebuke you. They are going to expose your error, expose your sin, expose where you're wrong. And you're going to turn away from it. I don't like that part. Or I like this part except in this situation. I'm all about obeying my parents when what they tell me to do is what I want to do. But what about obeying them when they do tell you something you don't want to do? Are you going to turn away? If you turn away from God's wisdom, you're demonstrating that even in, in the times that you obeyed God's wisdom, it wasn't because of your love for God. It was because of your love for you. And it just so happens that that wisdom agreed with you. Our love for God, our recognition of the truthfulness of his word, our faith is tested when God's wisdom, God's will tells us something that goes against our grain. It may not even please us at first. It may even make us angry. But we submit to it because we know God's wisdom is true, immutable, righteous, and ours is fallible, fallible. So it says, do not forget wisdom. Do not turn away from wisdom. And verse six, it says, do not forsake wisdom. Do not forsake her. Um, I knew a young man in a church one time and he was getting ready to go off into the military and um, the day before he left the church, he, they allowed him a few minutes to speak and he got up there and he made, I can tell you as an older man, he, he made many vain boasts about how he was going to continue walking with God. He was so sure of himself. He was going to be a testimony. He was going to be a righteous man. He was going to be a leader for Christ in the arm of the military that he chose. And he quickly fell. He quickly forsook all the instruction that he had received as a young man. So when I say do not forget, do not turn away, do not forsake, let me add another do not to that. Do not think that these things don't apply to you because you are so sure of yourself. Um, I'm not sure of myself in the sense that 
I know that daily I need to study the Word of God. I need to pray. I need to be in a good church and I need to be around the fellowship of other believers. I need so many things because I realize I am so weak and I don't want to boast about tomorrow or what I'll do under certain circumstances. You've got to realize that we live in absolute dependence upon Christ and his word. And so, yes, you are capable of forgetting. You are capable of turning away and you are capable of forsaking. And that is why we cling to the word. That is why we pray and ask God for grace. That is why we have other believers around us, because we find out that oftentimes when we're weak, they're strong. And when they're weak, we're strong. And God has set up this Christian life where we need each other. So don't, you know, look at these things and go, well, yeah, that's that's good for some people. No, that's good for all people. It's good for all of us. We are in danger of forsaking, of turning away, of doing things that aren't according to wisdom. And that's why we need to be vigilant. That's why we need to walk circumspectly, Paul says in the book of Ephesians, to walk wisely with discernment. Now, I want to end by looking at what wisdom promises us. Look in verse six. Do not forsake her and she will guard you. The idea is she'll take charge over you. She will pastor you. If you do not forsake her, she will guard you. So imagine this strong shepherd that is not afraid of anything and um, everyone, all the wolves and bears and coyotes are all afraid of him. As long as you do not forsake that shepherd, as long as you walk by his side, there's no wolf, there's no bear, there's nothing coming after you. But if you turn away from the only one who can guard you, you're on your own and you won't last with what's out there, with the opposition, with the devil who is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So wisdom will guard you. It says also wisdom will watch over you. She will be like a, a watchman who let, let's say that you're very, very tired and you want to sleep, but you're surrounded by enemies and you don't know when they're going to attack. You can't sleep. But if there's a watchman who says you go to sleep, stay right here by my side, sleep and I will watch. That's what wisdom is telling you. We do live in a world of enemies. We do live in a world of spiritual dangers. And the only way for us to make it through is to be close to that watchman, the one who will watch over us. And you say, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely. But how does he watch over us? Yes, he can do supernatural works of providence, but one of the greatest ways in which he watches over us is by telling us his word, giving us instructions, saying where to walk and not to walk, what to do and what not to do. And if you want his protection, you have to listen to his advice. He goes on. Well, let me just give you an example here. Uh, and I think I've, I may have shared this with you before. My older son, when he was young, had a real independent. 
he was something and a real independent spirit. And I took him down into the bottomlands uh, where a lot of times I would hunt. It's kind of marshy and swampy and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of snakes, a lot of uh, coyotes and bobcats. And there was this one blue heron type bird there that would make this noise that when it went off in the evening, it sounded like you were being attacked by a prehistoric monster. And I kept telling him, he was about four or five years old. I don't really remember how old. I kept telling him, stay right by my side, stay right by my side. And it was getting dark and he would kept wandering ahead, wandering ahead, wandering ahead. And so I just let him wander ahead one time and then I hid behind a big cypress. And uh, he heard one of those birds go off and he got scared and he turned around and I wasn't there. And I let him be afraid for just a little while so he'd learn his lesson. And then he saw, I'm afraid. I'm without my dad. This is scary. And then I stepped out from behind the cypress. And he learned that day that he needed me. God will do that sometimes. He will watch over his people. But a lot of times he will hide himself when we've run independently, when we've broke rank, <laughs> we've gone out on our own. So if you want wisdom to guide you and guard you, you have to listen and you need to. You know, uh, I've also used this illustration that when I was in the, especially the jungles of Peru, um, I, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know what was dangerous, what was safe. I didn't know where to sit. I didn't know what path to walk down. So many things. But you know what? I did all right because I was constantly with Peruvian brethren from the jungle who, who knew what they were doing. And as long as I walked with them, I was safe. As long as I went into the water they went into, I was safe. Do you see that? It's the same way. If you want to walk independently from God's wisdom, you, you have no promise. But if you say, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing, just like in the jungle. In the jungle, I could have said this, you know, I've hunted all my life as, as a kid, all alone. I know my way around these types of things. I would have been very arrogant, very foolish, and would have gotten very lost and maybe very bitten by something. But the fact of the matter is, I realized I'm in an environment that's completely foreign to me. But there are these men who know what they're doing. I'm going to follow them. I'm going to do what they tell me to do. And that's the same way. You need to look around and go, you know what? Wisdom wasn't born with me. It won't die with me. I really don't know what I'm doing. But God has promised me that if I will listen to his wisdom, his wisdom will watch over me. It will guard me. And that's in everything. That's in everything. You know, there's going to come a time where you're going to begin to see, well, if you, you know, that um, when you get older, you, you may start having thoughts about, well, that girl that I thought, you know, I thought all girls were bad. I now see that all girl, that girls are beautiful. Or you might think those nasty boys, I now would like to have fellowship with one of them. And, and you start looking with your own eyes, walking in your own wisdom, and disregarding the word of God, and you end up in great danger. Instead of going, you know, this is totally new territory for me. So more than ever, 
I need to submit to the will of God as it's revealed in the scriptures. Now, so wisdom will guard you, it will watch over you, but it will also exalt you. Uh, look in verse 8. Prize her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. And I, I can't think of two better cases among men in the Bible than Joseph and, and Daniel. That um, Joseph is in a foreign land. He's in Egypt. Egypt that was full of false gods and all sorts of uh, erroneous ideas about wisdom. And yet he would cling to God. And God exalted him even over pagan Egypt. And then there's Daniel. He's in captivity because of the sin of his people. He's a young man. But instead of accepting the wisdom of Babylon, what did he do? He stayed faithful to the wisdom of God. And eventually God made him a, a, a primary leader, even in that pagan nation. And, and we also see this in the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that although he was God in the flesh, he was a true man, and as a true man, he grew. And he grew in the wisdom of God. So it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Even secular men recognize a fool very quickly. And I want you to know that as a young person, you will be prone to foolishness. But if you will cling to God's word, you will be wise beyond your years and you will also be respected. Now, something that's really important here in verse eight, it says, um, um, prize her and she will exalt you, lift you up. But then it says she will honor you if you embrace her. And the idea is honor here. The idea is weightiness. That you will be treated as someone who is significant, a person of substance, a person that is important, a person that should be listened to. You know, no one listens to a fool unless it's another fool. But it's amazing, and I've seen this as an older man, uh, to have a young man, say 13, 14, in our company. And um, all of a sudden the young man starts talking and the older men kind of get quiet and think, well, this is very unusual. This young man has acquired wisdom beyond his years. And because of that, he's invited into the conversation. And even though he's 13, 14, he's treated almost as a man, as an adult, rather than a foolish child. Now, here's something both for you young men and young women that I think is very, very important, it's often neglected. We'll talk about it because it's in the book of Proverbs. Um, you wanna be a really good athlete, hang around with good athletes. You want to be a really good mathematician, hang around with really good mathematicians. Uh, you want to be a man, hang around with men, not boys, men. You, you want to be a woman, hang around with women. 
You see, um, one of the greatest errors that happens today, even in the church, is that young people need to be with young people. And that's most certainly true. It's good for young people to be with young people. But let me ask you a question. How much time do you actually spend in a relationship with mature people, people beyond your age, so that you can stop being a child and learn more to be a mature individual, a man, a woman. Now, let's say, one, let's see, there's one more thing here that I've got down. Uh, verse 9. Let's take a look at that. Um, she will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. Now, in both these cases, it's, it's basically saying much of what's already been said in verse 8. Prize her and she will exalt you. There's the idea here of not only exaltation, but two other things I'd like to point out. Victory. Um, that you're victorious as someone who has done something, gained a great victory in battle or in the Olympic Games, and you're put on the podium and a, a garland, a wreath is placed upon your head to show that you are the winner. Then there's the idea also of, of just beauty, of being a person who is, is attractive, pleasant. A person um, that other people want to be around. And they want to be like them. And so these are promises. We've looked at what we should do with wisdom. We've looked at what we shouldn't do with wisdom. And we've looked at the promises of wisdom. That wisdom will protect you. But not only protect you, guide you. And not only guide you, but exalt you and give you favor even before other men, other women. And then wisdom will uh, give you some, something that, like what we could call a victory in your life. You'll be able to triumph in different areas of your life, both spiritual and, and temporal. And then also wisdom will kind of dress you or clothe you in, in a beauty where your life is attractive. Well, I hope that this has been helpful. I've done several lessons today, actually, and I'm a little tired. But I hope this has been a great blessing. But remember, it's not enough to hear. But also, we must apply, we must practice, and we must not forget or forsake. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about Heart Cry Missionary Society.